welcome to After Pulse, the extra podcast from the hosts of Community Pulse. And now here's Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty. Wonderful episode, wonderful conversation with Chris and Matt. I think we a lot came out, a lot more could have. This is not obviously i feel like we say this a lot with our episodes but this is not like the end of the conversation yeah um but in between we were kind of discussing and i wanted to point this out because i meant to say it during the main episode i thought the most interesting thing was during that first few minutes where we were all introducing ourselves you know i said i have a cs degree and then it was just kind of assumed like oh then you have a technical background cool and then mary you were like i don't consider myself technical then went on to proceed and tell us your technical background Mm -hmm. jason then did the same like i'm not technical i have a business degree but also the, with a focus in, in CIS. And then you went on to talk about all the technical things you've done. Right. Um, Chris did the same. Maddie did the same. So like in my mind, it's like, yeah, you may not have started. First of all, none of us started in DevRel. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a thing. I don't even know what that would look like. No. Uh, so um, I think, yeah. I, I, not to cut you off there, but I think yeah. that was like one of the more interesting things is we all don't, I mean, the fact is we are, we are technical. It's just that technical yeah. a lot of different things. And there's, like I mentioned in the episode, it's a spectrum. Yeah. And I think we use that term synonymously when we actually mean, um, you know, a specific experience. Yeah. Like I, I, if you ask me to sit down and, and create, um, you know, create you some infrastructure on Microsoft Azure from scratch, mm-hmm. I probably couldn't do that right now. You know, right. like that's a, that's not a skill that I, I guess the point is I'm not a practitioner anymore. I'm I'm a, I'm a more generalist. I've mm-hmm. become a lot more T-shaped. A lot but, more. I, but I think this also speaks to how how our language has changed and semantics has affected the way we look at our job. Like you said, from scratch. And I'll quote Carl Sagan. You know, if you want to bake an apple pie from, from scratch, you must first create the universe. Mm-hmm. So well, what does that even mean anymore from scratch? But here's the thing, and I think this might be – not to get on a women in tech soapbox, but to get on that soapbox momentarily. Like I spent the first probably five or six years of being in community management with people at a booth walking up and going, oh, you're a community manager. You're not technical. Can I talk to someone who actually knows what they're talking about? And part of that I think is being a woman and people assuming that I wasn't technical because I was a woman. And part of that was the title. So like that is ingrained in my mind that like the first reaction that people have to me when meeting me and understanding what my title is, is you're not technical. I need to talk to someone who's technical. Right. And so like to this day, I've had people who have come up to me and I've gotten a little better at this the last couple of years, but probably three years ago, I had someone be like, Hey, I really want to feature you. We're doing this women in tech blog series. And I'm like, "Uh -uh, not me. I'm not a woman in tech. And they were like, you work in the tech industry. You coded your own website. You are a woman in tech. Like you are someone who people look up to in the tech industry. You work with developers on a regular basis. You are a woman in tech. And I was like, well, but, but well, I guess, well, okay. But you know, this, this reminds me of, of, of something my good friend Desi McAdams said. Desi, uh, she used to run HashRocket. She ran ThoughtBot for a while. She was a coder from way back in the day. And she said, you know, yes, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, and yes, I'm in tech, but I'm not here to wave your goddamn flag. Hmm. I'm here to do my job. You know, at the same time, her, her attitude is like, just because this is what I am doesn't mean that's what I have to represent. Hmm. Um, going back to what you were saying before, like, oh, you're a community manager, I want to talk to someone technical. I think one of the biggest 
no, not biggest. One of the worst titles we've ever had in DevRel was community manager. Yep. It's so not descriptive. It in no way, it's, it's so amorphous. It encompasses way too many things. And, you know, to, to be a little less serious for a moment, if you try to go on LinkedIn and look for the job community manager, you will get like uh, gardener services or hotel management. Like it's yeah. such a terrible term. Like I, I put it just above dev evangelist, which is my least favorite. So why did we think it was a good idea like three or four years ago? Because we didn't know what to call it. Right. And I mean, it started with open source community management, right? And mm -hmm. to a certain extent, it makes sense. Like I am managing the community of people. I'm building the community of people who maintains these things. But especially with open source, like that required you to be highly tech savvy, at least, if not have a developer background yourself, to be able to have conversations with people and accept pull requests and work with the, the moderators and work with the maintainers and all of those things. And then as social media came up, it became this like, oh, well, you can do the social media side too. And so these days it's this combination of like, I'll look at some community management jobs that I'm like, no, 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 that's a social media manager position. And there's other ones where it's like, no, you are the head of the, uh, I don't even know, YouTube creator platform. Like you absolutely freaking are a community manager. You're not yeah. a technical community manager, but you're a community manager. Right, right. And I think, actually, I think the interesting thing there is, is there's such a, I think, and this goes back again, our, our industry is such in, 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 in barely toddler mode, really. Like, and, and I mean that with all sincerity and love for the job, but at the same time, like, hey, we're not taken seriously in the same way that you don't think a thing a three-year-old says is very important. Um, because of that, there's also hundreds of terms that have come out that some of them apply and some of them don't and maybe they work here and maybe they don't work there mm -hmm. and and unfortunately technical the word technical is such an umbrella term like am i technical because i have a cs degree and i can i can code an application um and yes i could you know to go back to this is an interesting thing that mary said she's never written a program mm -hmm. uh not very many people say the word program anymore it's all applications now but like Technically, yes, I do have the skills to write a desktop program. I do know how to do that. Um, at the same time- For the like, record, I don't have the skills to write an application either. <laughs> at, <laughs> at the time, was I technical when I was eight because I could figure out technically how to set the time on the VCR? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't a computer, but it was a computerized piece of equipment. It was a technical piece of equipment. And Lord knows my, my mechanical engineering grandfather couldn't figure that shit out. Mm. Well, you know, also like most of the people that, most of the companies that are looking to fill this role, they are themselves typically a technical product or they're starting right. something. It's not like, you know, uh, mom, and job, mom and dad's like, uh, you know, general store on the corner is looking for an advocate, right. you know. But you are seeing more and more things. For example, when I was at Codemash, Domino's was there, the pizza place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, not, that, that not just kind of speaks to every company as a software company now. You know, right. The big one. Right. Exactly. Um, and, but I, I, I don't know, something you were just saying kind of gave me a thought, like I was thinking back when I was at Victor Ops and that, that was, you know, I was the DevOps evangelist. Didn't love that title evangelist. Right. And DevOps was like, well, what the hell does this even mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, but what I was intended to do was wear a bunch of different hats. And I think that that's just, that's the story at each job. And mm -hmm. a, a big part of it is that I need to be able to sit down with technical you know, again, whatever that may mean, 
um, to sit down with developers who understand a certain area uh, or have a certain area of expertise, I need to be able to speak intelligently to the, the topics. I need to be able to have a real conversation with them so that I can intelligently relay that information back to our product team because mm -hmm. that was my number one priority is I worked for product and I was supposed to be out there you know, being at conferences and reading everything that comes across my Twitter feed and wherever else that seems relevant to things related to incident management and on-call and outages and all those different things that to some degree relate back to VictorOps. Mm -hmm. Take that. And you were, you were a one-man show at VictorOps, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it was just me. More or less, yeah. Yep. Um, but take all that information, take the, the, the stories I'm hearing in the hallways of O'Reilly Velocity and distill that down into something useful for our product team to build, you know, to build VictorOps and to improve the service. And that was my number one job. Um, to do that meant I had to do a lot of social media. I had to write. I had to present. I had to travel. But those are just a means of providing the service back to and and that service being really just information right back to our product team that was my job exactly. and i think that is the job for a lot of people but there there's sometimes it's been so like um made very specific like we want you to do this we want you to work on content or we want you to work on just the social media or we want you to just be kind of a brand ambassador you know the influencer mm -hmm. of our team because you have like uh, you know, 30,000 followers and no matter what you say, you get like 600 retweets. It could be about anything. Right. So everybody serves a different role. And I think that it's, it's a matter of now, especially the more I hear people looking for like the unicorn advocates, I think they're looking for personalities. They're looking for people who can wear all those hats rather than these like check boxes. But how do you put that into a job rec? Right. right, right. And I mean, and that's, that's the interesting thing. If you look at over the past couple of years, there's been a couple of companies, I won't say who, who have specifically gone out and targeted individuals like there was, maybe there wasn't a job wreck and maybe there wasn't a specific posting, but they were like, Hey, you fit the exact profile of what we're looking for. And, and for a while, uh, I know we joked about this before we started recording the last episode for a while, it became the fire festival of DevRel. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and I'll be honest, the issue that I have with this technical, not technical thing is people have been hired. And people are part of teams in large scale and startup enterprises, whatever nomenclature you want to use for the business, but large high profile roles who have zero technical background and are there to be the Kardashians of whatever the right. fuck that company does. Right. Um, in my mind, in all honesty, those people have no value to me. I will not watch their talks. I will not support what they do because it's, it's, it's the same. It's like, for example, when, when, uh, what, what was the company when beats was like, all right, we've hired Dr. Dre. Mm. Dr. Dre actually legitimately understands sound. So when they put together Apple music and understand how to use that, how to build the headphones to get the sound they're looking for, that makes sense. Hiring like Condoleezza rice to be the brand ambassador for like Adidas or whatever the hell it was makes no sense at all. Mm. She just has a big name um, that has nothing to do with like uh, uh soccer shoes or, or sneakers or tennis shoes or whatever you want, whatever kind of shoe they make. That made no sense, but that was kind of the thing. And then suddenly that's actually become a thing in DevRel. People are hired for their name value. And I'm not going to lie. I've been hired twice because of my name value. Well, you know, and I think, I think that's a whole, and I would actually love to do a full episode on that because I think. Future it's episode, bigger, write it down. 
<laughs> right? Well, but it's a major issue because like I I have worked for companies where you sit there and you go, wow, we have all of these people on our roster. That's fantastic. What yep. do they actually do? Checklist items. Exactly. But I think because going back to your, your statement earlier, PJ, about the fact that we're kind of in this like toddler, not fully grown up phase yet, we've got people who are in DevRel who are seen as those personalities. And then we've got people in DevRel who are seen as the connectors and who are, who are, you know, making all of those connections throughout the industry and providing value that way. But depending on which people, you know, I can absolutely understand why some people are going, why the hell do we need DevRel? Right. Why is this a function that is necessary for a technical company if they don't know those people who are doing the connections mm-hmm. and they only know the people who are the personalities? But I think that also plays into the, the technical, tech-savvy, non-technical piece too because if you're not out there representing the company on a technical platform, whether that's, hey, we're doing this really cool stuff and here's the best practices and why we built our company out and our our product out in the way that we did. Or if you're on stage doing live demos, which like I would do the former and never do the latter, but like depending on- We could have a whole other episode on live demos too. Oh, absolutely. Even though I have the ability to, (laughs) never live, never Right, right. But like, I I think there's a big difference between using your platform, and maybe this is the future episode, using your platform to um, amplify the community members and amplify the company and the good things that the company are doing versus using your platform to get hired at companies. And I don't think that's always necessarily a bad thing. Right, but but you have to have a balance between the two things. Right. If you're too far in the, yo, check me out, Right, and, and we all know, anybody who's followed me on Twitter knows that I'm a completely obnoxious person on Twitter. It's all about <laughs> self-promotion, but it's kind of a joke, folks. Like, it's kind of, it's part of the act. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, how else are you going to get your, your uh, rapping gigs? Exactly. exactly. As, as a rap superstar, these are the things I have to do. Yes. Please check out my SoundCloud. <laughs> anyway, I actually do have a SoundCloud, but anyway. DJPJ.dev, go check it out. Yes. PJ but, the I DJ. Think, but I think there's a balance there on both sides, right? right? There's a balance of how much do you promote yourself versus how much do you promote the company versus how much right. do you promote the community. There's also a balance of how technical am I versus how personable am I versus how relatable am I to people across the industry. And I think we're going back to the, you know, what Jason, you said earlier about always be learning, always be growing, always be investigating new things. And to me, the, the people that I admire most in the DevRel industry are people who on a regular basis go, I don't know, let me go find out. And who I can tell are constantly learning and growing in their careers as well as in their technical knowledge. Well, I also, I-, I also think, sorry to interrupt, but I also think the I don't know thing is interesting because I think people that rush into an answer mm-hmm. and try to just push it out and like they're kind of closing off conversation saying, yeah. you know what, I don't know, let me email you about that later says, I, I'm interested in this conversation. I want to have further communication with you. This right. is an important thing that we both need to learn. Uh, let's let's you know create a, a relationship between the two of us, mm-hmm. and 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 this will bring us together. This this catalyst in the middle. Right. So that's quite honestly that's uh, been my like main tactic since I've come to Microsoft. And really, it's because I have no choice because there's just <laughs> too much at Azure to know, you know, like even though I've, I've been with the company now since last September. So what's that like six months or something, six, seven months. Sure, and, uh, 
there's just not, there's just no possible way I can learn everything that is under the umbrella of things that I advocate, you know, in relation to. And so, you know, I've been to something like seven different countries in the past four months or something speaking uh, about topics that I'm comfortable speaking about, but I inevitably every single time get off stage and, and get um, just swarmed with people who have a lot of amazing questions and I usually can't answer any of them. Right. And so, but I've, I've, I'm sure I've tweeted about this. Like, I think that that's actually um, a good opportunity because what that, what that sets me up to do is you know, kind of what you're just saying is be like, look, I don't have the answer for you right now. Um, I can get your information. Here's my email. Let's stay in touch and let's yeah. solve this question together. Yeah. And that, right. that like, not only do we both get to find out what the answer is, because it's something I want to know too, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's established a bond with that person. Yeah. And, th- and I'm not just like a support, you know, a black hole that they can right. send a question off to and maybe somebody will respond back. They now, they have a relationship with me. I'm an advocate for them, number one. So let's go see if we can solve this. And that's right. actually and business really value good. there too, because then you can sit there and go, hey, I had five people at this conference ask me about that topic. That must be a relevant thing. Do we need more content about it? Do we need more documentation about it? Are people not able to get onboarded with that well enough and quickly enough that they feel like they have to come up and ask me about it after my talk? Right. So those are all like, exactly. Like those are huge, huge business value things that you can take back to the team. And it not only gives you a list of here's the things I need to learn about next, but maybe here's the things that we need to fix as a company because these are the topics that keep coming up. Yeah. So I guess the TLDR on that, on that long ramp, long rant is that it might actually serve, be, be able to serve you better to have somebody who's not um, super proficient in everything or or certainly doesn't feel like they are, you know, like they, they really do understand that they don't have all the answers. And even if you think you do, it might be better to say, Hey, I'm not totally sure. So let's see if we can, you know, Mm -hmm. verify this. I Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just the job I have now at Microsoft is quite a bit different than the job I had at VictorOps, even though seemingly on the front, on the outside, it looks like it's the same thing. Um, Like I have hardly, I I don't go to any other conferences other than the Microsoft ones now, but that's mostly just because my role currently is to travel around and, and deliver this content and interact with people. But there's other people on the team who have yet to even go to one one of the startup events or sorry, one of the tour events, mostly because their calendar was already full before this thing came up, but they're out there doing completely different things than I am. And they're right. a lot more vocal on social media and they're, they're cranking out blog posts like once a week, if not more often, I just haven't had the time for that. So my value, even though I'm on the same team as other advocates, my value is different than theirs. And what I'm yeah. bringing to the table is different. Than theirs. And that's a very different experience from a lot of organizations because Microsoft has the bandwidth. True to have people in those wicked specified roles. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, at a startup, you might be like you were saying at VictorOps, you're the, you're the one flag waver. Mm-hmm. You had to carry the flag. You had to raise the flag. You had to do everything with the flag. You had to take care of the flag and fold it up when you were done. That makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's interesting. I, I don't know if either of you are familiar, if any of our listeners are familiar with the podcast reply all, but they do these episodes every now and again called Yes, Yes, No. And it's this idea of their, their producer, the owner of Gim, uh, Gimlet Media, who runs the podcasting company there, um, comes to them with a tweet that's like, okay, I understand. It's same, same, similar to what I was saying in the, in the podcast that we recorded. Like, I understand all of these words. 
I don't understand where they all come from. And I might understand these bits of this topic and these bits of this topic, but how the hell do all these things fit together, right? And they do that publicly. They do that as a recorded episode to walk through these concepts. And I love those episodes because it's, it's them coming together and going, I don't understand everything about this industry. And they have a business built around explaining these things and having mm -hmm. podcasts that explain these concepts. But they come forward and go, nope, don't know it. And it just, it builds a rapport and it builds an authenticity that I don't think you get otherwise. Right. And the more that we're trying to, and I'm using we as an industry, the more that we're trying to put ourselves on a platform where we establish, we know everything and we're the go-to people, I think the more we undermine ourselves. Because then people look at us and, and go back to the like, well, you just, you think you're a rock star. You think your platform is everything. You think you have all the answers. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. And the more that we can say we don't know, the more relatable we become, the more feedback people are likely to give us, the more value we provide to our company that we work for. Absolutely. Even if you try, even if you were an expert at something, like things just change so fast. Oh yeah. Our attentions change, you know, like I, I don't want to be known forever as the chat ops guy or the incident management guy or the on-call guy. Like I'm, I was way more than that before um, I came to Victor Ops. That was just sort of the, you know, the brand, I guess, that I created, but there's right. more. And you have to be, you have to be careful with that too. Cause for example, uh, Brian Lyles, who Mary, I think you've met Brian before. Mm -hmm. He was at Code Days. Very good friend of mine. One of the first people I met when I moved over to the Ruby community is people still come up to him and, and this is, you know, this is a 10 year old situation. They're like, Hey, you're the test all the fucking time guy. Cause he gave a talk early on in his career about testing when testing wasn't a huge thing in, in software development. And he's like, literally test all the fucking time. People were like, Oh my God, he said the F word and it's amazing. And I love Brian. Brian has so much more to offer than that. But still people like we were at Cubicon in Seattle in December and someone was like, hey, aren't you the test all the fucking time guy? And he was like, yeah, I am. So and that, that's where, you know, your community representation, your branding has to be careful. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's a balance. I mean, I still I've done so much more than when I was just doing Ruby. And people are like I, when I go to a PHP conference, people are like, oh, PJ, the Ruby guy. Mm -hmm. It's like. Yes, okay. and <laughs> going back yes, to my improv background. Yes, and here's what else I do. Yeah. And I think we can take advantage of those generalist natures that we tend to have and say, yes, I totally did that thing. And also I know this and this and this, which also means I don't know all of the answers for that. Let's explore it together. Exactly. Yeah. I think that, I think that brings us to an end for the after pulse. I think this is a good after pulse, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening again to the after pulse and we will see you next time with the community pulse and hopefully another after pulse until then joyous, wondrous journeys through life and all that jazz. This has been another episode of after pulse with Mary Thangwall at Mary underscore grace on Twitter, Jason hand at Jason hand on Twitter and PJ at a splenic on Twitter. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on Twitter. We'll see you next time.